Welcome to Money Hacks, a podcast series by The Straits Times and The Business Times, where we offer tips for the newcomer to the financial investment scene. Hi, I'm Chris Lim and my co-host is Ernest Lewis. With us is Tok Yok Ping, Head of Secured Lending for DBS Bank. Welcome to the show. Hi. Well, Singaporeans are obsessed with property. Most of us need mortgages to buy property, so it also ends up being our biggest debt. Given the size of the financial commitment, figuring out the right mortgage product is probably a good idea. Can you tell us how mortgage products have evolved in recent years and what the most common questions are from the man in the street? Mortgage loan is likely one of the oldest loan products in the world. If you look at mortgage loan, I think um, the most important feature is the interest rate. So over the years, how interest rate is determined has evolved. Firstly, um, when mortgage loan first started, you either have a choice between a fixed rate or a floating rate. Fixed rate package, what it means is your interest rate will be kept the same for a period of time. When it comes to a floating rate, we are seeing more evolution over the years. So then, late around 2014, we evolved again. That's when we started to introduce a fixed deposit rate as a benchmark for mortgage loan. So what it means is the bank will look at, say, uh, their 18-month fixed deposit rate, and that serves as a benchmark to price the floating rate. Um, that gives con- consumer the same level of transparency, but definitely compared to market benchmark, it's less volatile because you don't see banks changing their fixed deposit rate as often as Cyber or Saw. The good thing is after we started, we've seen other banks joining us to offer the same proposition to consumer. Today, 8 out of 10 of borrowers opt for fixed deposit rate benchmark loans. So that's how mortgage rate, uh, the mortgage product has evolved. We have also seen players offering proposition. Example, um, some banks will say that, oh, you know, we, there's a lock-in. Typically, a mortgage loan comes with a lock-in. Some banks will offer waiver or lock-in requirement if you're selling your property. Some banks will waive the requirement if you want to make any prepayment. I think these are good for consumers so that they can better manage their mortgage loan. What about some of the more common questions people have? Okay, so um, usually we, we face more questions from first-time home buyers. First-time home buyers usually buy HDB flats. So the most commonly asked questions we have from HDB buyers are, can I really take a bank loan with a HDB flat? Secondly, if I were to take a bank loan, does it mean I can't use my CPF to service my money installment? We think these are common misconceptions that people have. Firstly, if you buy a HDB flat, you can take a bank loan, but there are differences. So commonly, again, customers ask us, what's the difference between a bank loan and a HDB loan? Which one is better for me? Honestly, there's no right or wrong answer. I think it all depends on the needs of the customers. But there are some things that I think first-time HDB home buyer should look out for. Firstly, if you take a HDB loan, you can technically pay for your down payment with your CPF. There isn't a need for any cash outlay. I think this works well for young couples who can be quite cash-stretched. If you take a bank loan, at least 5% has to be paid using cash. Of course, the benefit is when it comes to taking a bank loan, you do not have to use up all your CPF savings as down payment. Compared to a HDB loan, HDB requires you to use up all your CPF savings as down payment. So now what does this mean? What it means is if all your CPF savings is used as down payment, now in the event that you decide to take a break from work and so on, you don't really have a buffer of CPF left to help you service your money installment should you decide to take a break. While with a bank loan, it allows you to set aside of some of CPF that can be used for you know, any emergency use should you, you know, be unable to service your mortgage loan. Now, another commonly asked question is, oh, if I decide to take HDB loan, does it mean that I'm forever stuck right, in, in, in a HDB loan? The answer is no. There's this option where you can refinance your HDB loan to a bank loan. The good thing now is most bank loans' interest rate is lower than the HDB loan. 
So the other customers who will switch to a bank loan to enjoy the interest savings. But at this juncture, I, I want to caveat that interest rate could change. There's a chance that the bank interest rate could one day be slightly higher than the HDB loan rate. We never know. So I think it's important for consumers to do their sums so that they make an informed decision. And we always encourage consumers to come to the bank to speak with us. They can assess us online. They can come to talk to us. It's our job to inform them so that they can then make an informed decision. Speaking of affordability, have you found that different people have different ideas of affordability? And is there actually a, a good yardstick for affordability? Yeah, I think affordability is really a big word, right? Um, different customers have different interpretation. Most people will think that, oh, I can afford it. But in reality, it may not be so. So I think where affordability is concerned, I would suggest that consumers look at it from the cash flow perspective. Um, since mortgage loan requires monthly repayment, they should look at it in terms of the monthly household cash flow. That, I think, will be a better yardstick to measure affordability. So example, if you earn, say, $5,000 a month, but you have to pay, say, $3,000 uh, you know, uh, for, uh, for other family commitments. So that technically left you with $2,000, right? So what do you do with $2,000? Versus somebody who earns $5,000, but they do not have any financial commitment. So $2,000 may seem easier on the second person. So I think at this juncture, other than the monthly affordability, it's also important for consumers to consider other what-if factors. Example, what if I intend to stop working after two years to pursue higher education, but yet your monthly instalment is still there, right? How do you plan to service it? Uh, which means that you have to start to build some buffer, be it in cash or CPF, to tie you through those, those years, right? Or they also need to factor what if interest rates start to increase. Uh, what that means is you have to pay more. So the $2,000 that you can afford today, it could be, say, $2,500 when that happens. So can you afford that then? Thirdly, one should also know that their commitment will never stay the same. Especially for young couples, if you are planning for children, definitely there will be additional financial commitments. So personally, I would think that it's better for any consumers to talk to the bank to work out the sums. And it may be better to take a more prudent approach when it comes to your first home. Okay, uh, Gyok Ping, say that I'm in my late 40s or 50s, or I could be married as well. Uh, I'm looking to buy a second property as an investment. What are the special considerations I should, I should think of when it comes to this? Firstly, if you're looking to buy a second property, you need to know that there's a need for you to pay ABSD, stands for Additional Buyer Stamp Duty, that's 7%. So that will add on to the cost of your property purchase. Secondly, when it comes to the loan, you can only take up to 50% of the property value, unlike the first home where you can take 80%. So what this means is you need to have more cash or CPF outlay. So it's important for you to set aside the sums. Um, as for buying a property for investment, I believe that the intent is to rent it out to get rental income or and at the same time uh, hope to get some capital gains on the property. At this juncture, I think it's, uh, you should take note that the rental market has been weakening in Singapore. Um, so that could add some pressure to your rental yield. And possibly your renter collected may not be sufficient to cover the monthly repayment you need to make on your home loan. Yeah, so you need to set aside cash to service that. But what about, uh, have, you ever, have, have you noticed any trends in particular with uh, people in their late 40s, 50s, couples even? Yeah, we, we do. Um, we have increasingly, we see more and more couples, they practice what we call decoupling. So what it means is, example, the husband could buy over the share of the property from the wife. Then in this case, it frees the wife to go buy another property as a only property buyer. So the wife could potentially avoid ABSD, 
the 7% stamp duty and the wife could now borrow up to 80% of the property value versus 50%. So I think this becomes easier in terms of the cash flow and cash outlay on, on, on the buyer. But having said that, I think where property is concerned, where mortgage loan is concerned, we all know this is likely the biggest financial commitment in our life. So I think it's important for household who's thinking or decoupling to really think through what works for one household may not work for your household. Important to, you to look at, you know, what's your household commitment and whether by decoupling and buying that second property for investment, uh, what are you expecting? Mm-hmm. Uh, because um, rental income, like what I say, may not sufficiently cover your mortgage. And, and, and what's the plan for the household? In this case, does a wife, is the wife prepared to keep working yeah. in order to service the mortgage loan? So, Gyoping, what's the most misunderstood thing about mortgages? I will list out the top three misunderstandings about mortgages we have heard from our customers. Firstly, there's this misconception that longer is better. People think that cheapest is the best. And some customers think that some banks are more relaxed. That means easier for them to get a higher loan amount. Now, on the first point about longer is better, it doesn't mean that the longer you can stretch your loan period, the better it is. Because by stretching the loan period, it means you have to pay higher interest. I'll give you an example. Let's say you borrow a $500,000 loan at 2% interest. If you stretch your loan tenor to 30 years compared to 25 years, you could actually save about $30,000 in interest by paying $200 more in your monthly repayment. Secondly, about cheapest is better. So there's this perception that, whoa, the rates is cheap. It's the cheapest. I should just go for it. It's important to look at how is the rate determined. We have seen some loan packages where it's packed to, say, a one-month bought rate. What it means is the rates can increase without you knowing. And if it's fixed and it changes every month, that can add some pressure, right, on the money repayment. As for whether some banks are really more relaxed in lending, that's totally untrue. Okay, all banks have similar credit underwriting assessment. Yeah, so um, it's, it's not true that you can get higher loan amount. Thanks, Gyokping. That's a wrap for Money Hacks. And do send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. There are also more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times and The Business Times. Do note that any financial or investment information in this podcast is for use in Singapore only and is intended to be for your general information. Any particular investment or decision should only be made after consulting with a fully qualified financial advisor.